This week on the Lords of Grantham podcast, we return to Cornwall for Poldark Season 5. When we last left our story, Elizabeth had unfortunately passed away, and all of the characters were grieving and handling that and trying to move forward. So let's see where this final season goes. Secret Agent Man, Secret We are back to our home away from home. Nampara. Yep. <laughs> Trend with. <laughs> yep. Poldark. Here we are. Season five, the final season of Poldark. Mm-hmm. Dave, how you doing? I'm good. How are you, Corey? I'm good. I'm you know, I was saying to you before we record, I'm a little surprised we're doing this. It's Valentine's Day. I fully expected you to be busy with your girlfriend, and you said, no, we're recording tonight. And I was like, all right, well. I know what my priorities are. <laughs> yeah. Here we are, ready to talk about Ross and the gang. Uh, and we we got a lot to get into. There's only one update, though, outside of the of this show to, that's really worthwhile in, in discussing. So is Aiden Turner's wedding ring off again? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no updates on that. We do have an update on when the Gilded Age may be coming back. Maybe? Okay, because I I, we, we're in premiere season. Or, it or is returning, but... It, the, so the only thing we have to go on is from another, none other than Nathan Lane. He was on the, wow. the Today Show this week. <laughs> the ham that he is, he was saying that we should expect the Gilded Age back in September. Okay, I can get behind that. September's good. We have the summer to do what we want. And again, this is Nathan Lane. But who knows if he actually knows <laughs> the truth or not. That's all we That's got interesting. for you. Okay. All right. So. I'm here for that. Let's do it. All right. Thanks, Mr. McAllister. Nathan Lane. Thanks. I like that he'll be back for season two. That's great. Oh, yeah. He better be. He's a great little side character. Yeah, so fun. Uh, he almost kind of reminds me, if you have to do like a Down Abbey like analog, he's kind of like a Lord Merton-esque He's just kind of in the village, <laughs> bumbling around. I feel like he's a l- little bit more of like Sprat Plus. Sure. He's if you move Sprat up the social ladder and he had a little bit of sway. If, if you put the same facial hair on, on Sprat, you have the Mr. McAllister hair character. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but he's not. He's no Nathan Lane. Nobody's Nathan Lane but Nathan no. Lane. None. Ask, uh, ask Billy Eichner. You can't. Can't do it. Is he trying to be the Nathan Lane? Well, Billy Eichner is Timon in the, the new Lion oh, right. King. Forgot all about that movie even existed. And that is uh, repulsive. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of about forgetting about things that even existed, Poldark. Man, I, I forgot where we left off and stuff. I'm, I'm so glad they had a recap at the top of this episode to let us know, remind us. Spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't watched the first four seasons of Poldark. Elizabeth is dead. That's right. I've totally gone. forgotten. <laughs> it slipped my mind. Uh, I mean, that's pretty much all they recap, right? They just <laughs> uh, the the sun is revealed to be uh, Ross's more than likely, and um, that's where we are with the show, right? <laughs> yeah, and Dra- Drake and uh, Morwenna got the uh, a love life free marriage. Mm-hmm. And so the important thing to preface before we start to talk about this season is that. It's not based on any of the books, like the past four seasons. Yeah. 
Yeah, so we actually got a tweet about this a couple of weeks ago, and I, I want to give credit where credit is due. And mm-hmm. I should have had this pulled up earlier. But we were basically forewarned, and I couldn't help but laugh because... Don't if if you know our mo we don't we don't care. <laughs> yeah, we don't, <laughs> but we do. We do, I mean I guess we do in the sense that Game of Thrones went so far off the rails without any source material. Yeah, as long as it stays good, I'm good with it. Yeah, so Megan Huffman is uh, the person who tweeted us and said, "I'm get, getting caught up on your coverage of season four. Wasn't sure if anyone told you, but season five does not follow the books. It's mm-hmm. fan fiction by Horsefield." book accurate series did end with season four so temper your expectations so this could be uh i don't know if that's a good thing but i enjoyed yeah. the first episode it's supposed to bridge the gap i guess between book seven and book eight because by the time you get to book eight i guess ross poldark is a, a spy operative they completely just kind of move on from him being a political figure uh and this is kind of trying to fill in the blanks there and it definitely feels like a different vibe here it does not feel of a piece with the just from this episode alone of what we've seen mm-hmm. of Poldark in a lot of ways. Yeah, specifically Ross. I think the rest of the yeah. show feels like the rest of the show. Kind of. Yeah, yeah. So where do we want to start off with? Um, Drake and Morwenna. What's as yeah, always, Drake and Morwenna? Fruit. Let's start off with them. It's very. They, I mean, they they kind of tie into to George, mm-hmm. but. They, they're married. Yeah, they're kind of hovering. <laughs> they're they're sharing a single, uh, size bed. It looks like. Mm-hmm. Or would you say that's like a, a double? Whatever it, maybe it's three quarters. Yeah, it's a tiny bed, and their way of going to bed is him to go boop, poke her on the nose. <laughs> they ain't getting physical at all. All the candles out. Nope. Let's not, not get physical. Is what they're saying. Not at all. And you can see maybe in the book how, you know, they got their happy ending. But here it's like, no, 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 it's never that simple. And, and he has the great idea of like, why don't we just go visit Trenwith? Like, okay, you're not welcome there, Drake, but you can go, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe rekindle some memories, make it easy on her. It's, it's pretty much abandoned. George is never there uh, since, you know, Elizabeth is gone. And he, he goes in for a kiss on her neck and she gets immediately frightened because that's the kind of stuff that good old uh, foot sniffer would do. Ozzy. Ozzy. Whitworth. Whitworth. <laughs> so they ain't touching each other. And, and they're well, in, hanging out. In fairness, out. They, did, yeah. they went to Trenwith because Jeffrey Charles told them, you know, he, he rented out his Airbnb to some family mm. friends. Right. He said it was good to go hang there. What a fool. He said, go sleep. Enjoy. And then this mm-hmm. all went down. And I, I thought the season would start with... I mean, how many episodes do we have in this season? Eight. Eight? Mm-hmm. With all due respect to Marwenna and Drake, we're going to be wading into some Bates and Anna territory if we spend the whole season of them handling the emotional trauma that she's still dealing with over Whitworth. Like, this right. is our victory lap of this show. And again, no offense to these two characters. They're not at the top of my list. So I would appreciate it. If we didn't get bogged down for the whole season by them suffering. Yeah, just let them get hot and heavy. Yeah, we want baby Carnes. Yeah, get it rolling. Uh, and, I mean, that's pretty much... I mean, they're, they're hanging out in trend with until George shows up. And then he says, I, I get Drake shot. And then Drake and 
more way to escape out of there. And that's about and, that. uh, so Uncle Carrie's like, sure, you saw Drake. Yeah, because we'll get more well, into I George mean, being a wacky man. We later. can address that. We can address that right now. George is a little bit, a little bit off the off the rails. A lot off the rails, in my opinion. Break it down, Dave. So we see that he's still sort of carrying on this life. He's still, they're all grieving. I think the big theme of this first episode is all these characters are grieving. We see mm-hmm. after our um, cold open flashback scene, George is kind of like being a sad boy, sitting in a, alone, not really getting up to much. We see he's cut the mine wages even more. Uh, mm-hmm. He's sort of cutthroat. He's very much Ebenezer Scrooge-esque. Yeah. He doesn't have any room for joy. And Uncle Carrie's trying to get him moving in life. And little little Valentine is trying to get him... You know, little Valentine finds a little locket with a picture of Elizabeth in it. And George is like, get away from me! <laughs> yeah, that's a little picture frame of her. Valentine cracked me up this episode. Because he just keeps hiding under tables around the house. And he's got this scrangly, muffy, like... Just a lot of hair on his head. That's mm-hmm. not well kept, and he, he just looks like a little monkey boy just hanging around the house. Just <laughs> he doesn't seem it doesn't seem like he's particularly loved by George. He doesn't want to go with George to to Truro. Um, doesn't seem like George wants anything to do with Valentine, and he's and just he, hiding under tables. Yeah, and there's also like the moment in this episode, and, and I could be, I could be looking into things a little more. George is so like, out of touch. He's starting to make some business decisions with uh, with Uncle Carrie. And George tries to rope in Bessie, the nanny, at one point. Like, yeah. And, and and she's taking care of what's the other uh, war-legging baby. baby? The more recent one, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a silly name. And I definitely wrote it down as I was doing it, but I'm looking through my notes right now. Uh, yeah, I think I just tried to block out of my mind the name of the, the, those children. Uh, I think it's mm-hmm. Ursula. Ursula, yes, indeed, indeed. How could I forget? Yeah. So it's Ursula, and, and George is still... We. It doesn't seem like he's carrying a distaste for... You know, he's not carrying the, like, Ross jealousy so overtly mm. anymore. He just seems to be, like, empty. Right. Right. Because he's just in disillusionment that, yeah, Elizabeth is gone. Because as you were referencing earlier, he keeps carrying on as if he's if she's in the room talking to her. Yeah, that was a strange scene. Like, is he, is he going cuckoo? Like, I, I didn't need them to, like, digitally impose uh, Elizabeth in, into the room with them to get that he's cuckoo. <laughs> and and mm-hmm. saying that Elizabeth is there with them. I didn't need to, the, the visualization of that. It was a little hacky <laughs> i don't know i think this if it's a recurring theme i would ra- rather have her be you could, i want to know where his inner monologue is going you know sure. rather than just him purely talking to himself because you know you, you see in fiction people go to graveyards and talk to the think- graves and if, if knowing that he's actually talking to what he thinks is his his deceased wife is think very informative of how out of his mind he is and this isn't like the first time they've done that i feel like they did that with francis way back when he was Mm -hmm. passing on and he was having hallucinations and stuff 
don't know. It was just a little cheesy, but yeah, okay, we get it. George is off the off the wagon, and and there's more going on with George, but that's just a kind of general state of mind of where he's at right now. Uncle Kerry has no patience for him, and he's kind of stuck in a rut. Yeah, I guess while we're talking about George and Trenwith and Drake and Morwenna, why don't we just quickly bring up our new new old friend, Jeffrey Jeffrey Charles. So we have a new actor playing Jeffrey Charles this time. I had to double take. I said, wait a minute. Is this the guy we met last oh, year? Oh, really? Last season? Just because it's uh, been so long. I was like, this doesn't look like Jeffrey Charles. I, I thought immediately, like, this guy is like no, the... <laughs> Like the the worst case scenario of uh, his evolution, <laughs> he he looks like he got hit on a branch. I'm sorry, this guy is not attractive in the Jeffrey Charles lineage. People, he's feel no free uh, to disagree. He does not look like the the lineage of of our boy from Bridgeport. No, Freddie Wise. Yeah, uh, that's the guy playing Jeffrey Charles. He just looks like a dope this time. It's just like a like a little. I mean, I guess that's the trajectory of where Jeffrey Charles was heading, but like. I don't know. I don't want to see more of this guy on my screen. I don't like his charisma. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like he has much going on. No, he doesn't. He does not have much charisma. But we see he's talking to Ross and Dwight about perhaps enlisting. Enlisting. Mm. And yeah, and it, because Francis didn't leave many money. Mm-hmm. George, uh, George is basically done with him, and he's just leaving him high and dry. He can't get trend with until he's. Of age or something like that. I don't know what that means because isn't he college age and he technically an adult? Or is he high yeah, school? He looks old age? enough at this point. Whatever the case may be, he is still, you know, either he's not of age to get this stuff or he's just not going to get it for another couple of years according to some terrible document that George may have drafted or something. So, mm-hmm. but he needs money yeah. to do this. But he's still kind of a, a young, lush, enjoying his youth and having fun and drinking and stuff like that. And Ross and Dwight are telling him, like, dude, you got to stop, man. <laughs> Maybe you don't have a yeah. drink today. You need that money to enlist to go to training. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of refreshing. Ross is like, why don't we go talk to George? Why don't we just hit him up? Which, I mean, refreshing? I don't know. Ross always loves busting down George's door. I feel like, well, I mean, he, they've had that truce for the past couple seasons, so it feels like they, they went away from that. So it was nice to see him back at, like, let's go harass George. Let's go talk to the, the widow and see how he's doing. And he's not thrilled. No. No, and, and Ross has to, Ross takes a look at, like, Valentine, and he's like, oh, he's just looking in the mirror. Uh, but he has a, lot a of people staring at that little toddler in this episode. Like, There's the scene where he's looking at his mother's grave, and... Mm-hmm. And uh, Demelza and Caroline are like looking at him, yeah. like, "Hey, Valentine, is that you?" And I'm thinking <laughs> he maybe he's away. a ghost too, or something like that. But it's so rough when George is like, "I understand your pain more than you'll ever know." We get it, Ross. You slept with Elizabeth. You don't have to rub it in, man. We all know you slept with Elizabeth more than you Aside know. We from, know exactly. I mean, we know. To George, George, George doesn't knows. quite know. George I don't know. Knows. Didn't he figure that out by the end of the last season? That's why he... Well, maybe he's in denial. Two eight-month pregnancies. <sighs> Man. Sad, sad story there. Um, but yeah, as you're saying, yeah, Jeffrey Charles is hanging around and he's flirting with the girl and that ties into a larger story if we want to talk, and talk, talk about that now. 
But yeah, I mean, we, we, we really did gloss over the fact that George pretty much hollers at Jeffrey Charles like you've been you, you disrespected me for years. Yeah. And now you just want to leech on. How does that make yeah, you feel yeah. like? Why don't you get kick rocks? Get out of here, boy. He's not wrong. I feel like every stance that uh, George takes this episode, I can get behind. He, he's a he's a, he's in a sad state. Leave him alone. Well, like I did when I said that he is very Scrooge like. I also mean that in the negative things about Scrooge as personality, not just that he's a miser and a grump. Like, yeah, he is a bad man. He doesn't technically owe. Jeffrey Charles, anything, I guess. But mm-hmm. he does. I believe it's Ross that says, he's like, why would I owe you anything? It's like, I don't, he doesn't love me. And Ross is like, well, his mother loved you. And isn't that enough? And Je- George is like, won't you get it? No. <laughs> won't you leave, Ross? <laughs> exactly. Again, he's the one who lost his wa- wife. So mm-hmm. come on, y'all. Have some sy- sympathy for George here. <laughs> Uh, well, actually, let's keep tacking the low hanging fruit. Uh, so we got Dwight and Caroline, and most of their episode, this episode is like, man, I can't believe Elizabeth is gone. Yeah, <laughs> me neither. She's dead. <laughs> well, and that's that's the bottom line. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we do have some new faces though. Uh, around town, because as you said, because. George has turned in, uh, turned Wheel, was it, uh, which one was it? Wheel Plenty, into that's nicknamed Wheel Scarcity. People are asking for, for work around uh, Ross's mines, and they just don't have enough open spots to get work. Yeah, and Demelza goes up to this gang of, of you know, what, what what's the word we can call these people? Unemployed, uh, have-nots. Sure. And tells them I can't give you any work now but I'm going to try. Mm-hmm. To which their sort of union spokesman Tess Trigidin is like yep. you ain't going to do nothing and you're a ha- you know this is a haves versus have nots and and who are you and your green outfit that you wear all the time to tell me that you're going to help me. And Why that's a fair point to prove make. It? I mean, that's a fair point to make at this point in the series. It's season five. Demelza has been living well for long enough. So. Buy new clothes, Demelza. You've been wearing that same jacket. <laughs> that, that too. You look like but Bart she, Simpson. You've been wearing the same outfit for, for eight years. Yeah. But but now she's she's not one of the people. But I think it went from her being resented a little bit to being, you know, taken up with this man by by culture to the people accepting it. Now she's kind of like out of touch with it entirely. Well, she's the bell of the ball for high society in Cornwall. Yeah. But she, we have yet to really address her relationship with the lower class, the working class. Mm-hmm. So this is them sort of saying, you're not one of us. And she's saying, I was a, you know, you should hear George used to call me a skullduggery maid. And I married up and I, yeah, I did something and I run a farm and I run two mines and, Say what you will, but I'm I'm gonna try. And is it Zachy who says like, don't promise these people anything? Yeah, you're just gonna disappoint them, and they're gonna try to set your house on fire. Yeah, and, and we see these people protesting a few times enough for it to catch the eye of uh, Sam Karn, 
where he's like, what's going on over here? And, and Drake's like, no, 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 brother. <laughs> Don't get involved there. And he's like, what if she's you a sinner I can save? <laughs> Don't you don't want to save another sinner, brother? You've been through that already. Come on, man, get out of here. Yeah, what happened to Thali? He's gone. Yeah, and his daughter. But you can already tell Sam's making eyes. There's going to be something here with this, this Tess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we see that the st- still not dead Garrick is awoken in the middle of the night by something. The dog and- looks younger than ever. Like, it's the Benjamin Button dog. It's going to be a puppy at the end of the show. I'm convinced that the dog dies in between the off seasons and they just get a new one. Like, actually, in the in the story of the show, they it's get like a new the dog. Yeah, and they just, just rename it Garrick. <laughs> yeah. Because there's no way the dog would still be alive at this point in time where Jeffrey Charles is pushing 20 and mm-hmm. the dog is still the same. It doesn't in, make any in sense. In 1800. Like, this is not... Oh, yeah. This dog is not 2023 weeks, where dogs make it into their teens. This is this dog is people. A lot of adults are dying at Garrick's age, and it's a noble life they lived. Yeah, incredible dog. If it is the same one, but I, I don't buy uh, it. I don't buy and, it at all. And to have the hearing too, the wherewithal to hear something in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Unless he well, I mean, this is not the question where we, where the first time Garrick is causing a scene and they don't know why. Is is this maybe the turn where we start to see Garrick in his his latter years? I mean, if Garrick did go, I would be a little upset because Garrick <laughs> has been such a, a strange anomaly of the show. Mm-hmm. You know, as Jeffrey Charles, I think it's like they're like the portrait of Dorian Gray. As Jeffrey Charles gets older, you know, Garrick sucks yeah. the youth and, and takes the youth. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I'm less interested in if uh, Demelza and Ross are being spied upon than Garrick potentially having hearing things because he's losing his hearing. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, this whole there's a secret parallel plot between Garrick and and George about like mm-hmm. who's hearing what in the middle of the night and who's seeing what in the middle of the night. And George is developing dog hearing. <laughs> yeah, it's going to just turn into the Shaggy Dog by the end of the scene where they do a full body swap. <laughs> and George is fully dressed, but he's a dog uh, missing, running on Elizabeth. all fours. <laughs> Uh, I can, one can hope. One can hope. Um, did, there is a yeah. second attack on this house, and it is not a, a drill. Right. Because the first one, so the first one, Demelza just scopes it out. Nothing happens. And the next day, the brothers, Karn, are like, Demelza, we can stay with you. You can you can stay with us at Trenwith. Uh, whatever works, you know. And, and she's like, I got a plan. I can take care of myself. I'm Demelza. You've seen me for four seasons do this. I know what I'm doing. And she goes, I'm going to give this union buster a job. Exactly. She can't turn that down. And, and she says, okay. What's the this, deal? This... Why is it we see Tess when she offers her a job? She's chugging milk or something? We don't really quite see. She's working in the field. She's farming. She's got to do what she can. Just chugging milk strike. She's like, I'll work. Straight. I'll work for you, Poldark. I'll be there tomorrow morning. Yeah, Demelza can't can't pass up that offer. But not before I throw a Molotov cocktail into your house, dude. This is like a three pointer from half court. Like, do you see the like the gap in the window that they have to get this ball of fire through? <laughs> it's a perfectly aimed shot. Oh yeah, it's like like a pitch right down the right down the mound. Yeah. <laughs> Right, right into the the Poldark household. 
Mm-hmm. But thankfully, Demelza is a quick enough and smart enough to get the fire out, keeping the family alive. I thought I thought this might be the moment that we lose Garrick. <laughs> I know Garrick's I, a blaze. I thought they're going to lose the house. I mean, it makes mm-hmm. sense in the last season to, to have it all burned down. I even thought Prudy may go. I thought Prudy might go the way that they were handling it. But the you one thing is, is super unsettling about not unsettling mm-hmm. is look at their like. Have you looked inside their house? They have like three rooms. Yeah. Trenwith is down the street, and the guy who owns Trenwith is the guy who laid you off. Like, why are you burning the house of? Well, that's the mystery. We better find out what's going. Maybe, maybe there's something afoot, but something just tells me that these. Tess, Tregaden, and the the gang are just a bunch of buffoons. That are do we just... see Garrick with them? Do we think Garrick may have threw the fireball through the house? He'll turn from Garrick? <laughs> yeah. He wants some attention? I hope not. I pray to God, no. I thought Pretty was going to go because they didn't really show her at all the whole episode. And then when they showed her like coughing, I was like, oh, that's just stock footage or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and no. Luckily, pretty pretty saved. Someone's got to watch the kids when they go to these dinners That's and stuff true. like that. That's true. Uh, impressive maneuvering though by Demelza to know to have cloths available for the kids so they can breathe, be able to put mm-hmm. out the fire. It's like you'd think she'd been through this before. Well, I feel like in that day and age, there must have been a little bit more extensive uh, home fire training, considering all of your mm. light is by a candle. Right, and you could lose everything. Uh, but yeah, I mean that all kind of ties together into the a plot. Which well, there's is, also a scene the next morning before yes. we get off of this, where Tess is at the house and Demelza says, "If you're gonna work for me, you need to be honest. Did you do this?" And Tess says, "No." And I maybe she didn't do it directly, but I think she has a hand in this. Oh, arson. she knew someone who did it. Well, I mean, I also think she might have done it. And she's lying, and we're gonna find yeah. out she's a liar. But she seemed pretty honest. I don't know. I, I kind of bought her. Bought I don't her know. Saying, Did you see her leading an angry mob of unemployed miners? <laughs> like she seemed, she seemed not to be in a great spot. Yeah, but I think you're right that maybe someone from the group because it, it would almost be a little bit simplistic if it was all tied together to this mm-hmm. assassination plot or, or whatever. But it doesn't matter to Demelza. She's out of there because she she hears Ross needs some help. <laughs> Indeed. This was, I was a little confused by it. I mean, I, there's too many moving pieces. It's like we have this nice little quaint story about these, you know, this is where I want to find that person on Apple Podcasts mm-hmm. and say, this show is about minds of minors. What the heck are we doing trying to kill the king? Yeah. Secret agent? What? Uh, are we talking about Ross's whole stuff now? We want to get into this? Sure. Sure. And uh, what's the guy's name? Ned? Yeah. Uh, well, so spoiler alert, Dave. But Ned Despard—he's a real person. Uh huh. He's a real guy. He's an abolitionist, abolitionist, and a politician. <laughs> and they—they've now brought him into the show as a figure for Ross to uh, save and and be friends with. <laughs> That's like uh, Clara Barton in uh, sorta Gilded Age. Yeah, they—they they made this guy uh, Ross's commanding officer and. Uh, yeah, I mean, the opening of this episode, we got to see a flashback to Ross passed out in Virginia. The origin, uh, we got to, finally, we got an origin story for his scar. 
Which we never needed, but sure, thanks. Yeah, we saw some blood dripping from out of his face. It, it, we even get the origin story of how he met Dwight. Dwight was the one who operated on him. Mm-hmm. Well, I kind of assume that's what it was, but... I guess, but who knew it was know. about the scar itself? I mean, I kind of figured a doctor, a but guy with a war wound. One? Yeah. Of, I mean, it's it's fiction. You kind of got to go for the, the sure. play to the, the, the back row here in yeah. Baldark. But yeah, that was 1781, and we see a, a commanding officer talking to him, and then we jump forward to 1800, mm-hmm. which is where Ned Despard is in jail, and he passes a note to a woman saying that this man will come help me and it's not a woman of color yes who is uh, uh his the wife first I, I i kind of rolled my eyes i said oh no what's that do at, we, at do we need do we need a race relations plot in full dark in 1800 uh, like this is there's certain shows where i think it's okay i think the the, um, the gilded age were 120 years in the future Sure. It's okay that we really start. Downton Abbey, same thing. This is 1800. Things are going to be very different, and they're really going to need to yeah, to, to mean, walk this this line very appropriately because it's going to seem too ham-fisted. If, I do respect them going for it, at least, you know, trying to modernize it a little bit. But, yeah, to your point, like for a show that's already so overstuffed with plot lines... We've seen this one tackled clumsily quite before with, with Downton and you name it. I think the Bridgerton's I, the only one that's really owned it by being totally fantastical about it. Mm-hmm. But, I would almost rather there be a sort of colorblind approach to Kitty as a character because I think it would just be like, okay, this is a person. These like lower class miners, you know, humans. They don't care about color at all because they don't react. But instead, Prudy's giving Kitty like weird looks. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So the story is that this this guy uh, Ned is Ned Despard, commanding officer. After the war, he went to the islands where he met his wife. Mm-hmm. And. Then the rest of it gets really confusing to me. He might have unearthed some corruption and wound up in jail. Something along those lines, yeah. Uh, well, it wasn't also something, the story that they concocted, because we also see this Rat Ralph character, mm-hmm. who, who, you know, of course has a walking cane, black gloves, that's all you need to know, he's a bad dude. Uh, but he's talking to Uncle Carrie and George, well, he, he, has a, he has a daughter there too that he hasn't spent much time around. Cecily, yeah. Cecily. And so he's talking to George and, and, and uh, Carrie about how uh, this man had, or this group of people, they were claiming this land as theirs mm-hmm. just because it was kind of unclaimed. Um, but it's really not theirs. Mm-hmm. But they're supposed to turn the profits over to the king, but they're claiming it for themselves. So they accuse them of sedition. And that's why it got Ned thrown into jail. Yes. But to your point, Ned may also know more than he, he he should, and that's a contributing factor to his predicament. And Dwight and Ross both bring up the fact that Ned may also be just totally untrustworthy. Yeah. You know, he's uh, he's up to something. He's a schemer. Uh, but, you know, Ross, he, he's immediately going to buy all in. They make jokes about this in the episode, like, 
he's a man of action. He's going to go do this stuff. And as viewers, we're like, oh, great. I mean, as viewers, right. I'm I'm just questioning, like, what about his political responsibilities? To make references to, like, him being a governor or a, a member, of parliament. MP, member of parliament. parliament. But it's like he's totally shirked his duties now of mm-hmm. being part of the government. It's like, what happened here? <laughs> I don't get that. Neither but, do I. It's it's sure you know it's it's just going on in the background. He's he's doing his politics during the week, nine to five. This is this is the five yeah. to nine in the weekends. Yeah. And so yeah, Ross has some conversations with uh, people that he knows to see if they can pull any uh, ropes to to get this guy out of jail. Hmm. Seems like we might get some, but who knows? Yeah. And meanwhile, they're hanging around town with Kitty. And uh, indeed, <laughs> they see some notes about you know uh, protests against slavery. They're like, "Oh, aren't you going to join up with that cause?" And she's like, "I mean, I don't want that to be my only thing. I'm a person too." <laughs> mm-hmm. But they before said, we know it, come, she's speaking come to on the that meeting, stuff. Come too. to the party with us. Yeah. Because Ross and, I guess, Dwight did that in their free time already, maybe? I don't know. It just seemed kind of random where it's like... We, did, we had mentioned in, in previous seasons, or I think last season, because that's when Ross was in Parliament, that he does seem like incredibly woke and aware for sure. what he's doing. So I think, yes, we have established that Ross is anti-slavery. Right. I just didn't take him to be one who just shows up at these hearings all the time just to mm-hmm. listen in. But I guess that's how, how he passed time back then. Yeah, so they go, and mm-hmm. who is at this meeting but uh, this Cecily Hansen, daughter of uh, the sort of nefarious... Ralph Hansen. New Big Bad. Yeah. And so we see Uncle Kerry propositioning George like, hey, look, there's this beautiful young lady of this man that you're, you're working with here. Maybe there's something where you could uh, marry off with her. And George is like, but Elizabeth is right here, bro. <laughs> I, I can't. I'm, I'm, I'm married. Kara's like, maybe I'll ask her out. Well, you know who may actually ask her out? Jeffrey Charles. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. in bed with the enemy. He's talking her up at the bar at one point. I love the idea of a triangle between Jeffrey Charles' father and this girl. <laughs> yeah. So strange. Yeah, it's not getting any easier to watch. It's very, it is very odd. Yeah. Uh, but so she doesn't. Abolitionist seem... meeting is productive. Yeah. People are well, pretty um, smitten with Kitty. She seems to be very popular and and articulate. Right. There's a moment where uh, some people, someone says, like, "I have the perfect idea of how to resolve this," and everyone's like, "Well, well what is it? God." Boo, boo, and then Kitty says, "No, no, let's hear him out." And then people are like, "Yeah, let's go." Uh-huh. <laughs> so strange. And he starts like, ranting and raving about God, and and, and it, like slow fades. Yep, that, that's it. And that's all. Or is it? And what, one more note on Sicily. Not very well defined this episode. She just seems like another young woman waiting to be defined into something more than maybe just love interest. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, she seems a little bit unhappy with her lot in life, and she doesn't seem to be a big fan of her father. And correct me if I'm wrong, but that scene later on where Ralph comes by the house again, he's kind of making the offer for George to marry her, right? 
or something. And Uncle Carrie says, well, think about that in a few days. It's an, uh, it's an offer for something. When the the Hansons come over to see um, George and Carrie, you mean? Yeah. At, later in the episode. And he when, says, when it's, Bessie, where are you? <laughs> that I think that was a business deal. I don't think that was an overt marriage proposal. Mm-hmm. Because there's also the moment where um, Carrie's like, why don't you guys dine with us? And and Cecily's like, I can't. I got to go. I got stuff to do. Yeah. So we're establishing that, that she doesn't want to be there. She's too young and too cool for this old man money-making nonsense. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, we'll, we'll see where, where, where that goes. <laughs> mm-hmm. But as you said, Dave, there's an assassination plot going on here. Apparently. I didn't see it coming at all. <laughs> the king's in town. Yeah. And Ross has got an invite. Everyone's got an invite. Because this is where... Uh, this isn't where George is supposed to get his invested... His, his, uh, his coronation thing. Yeah. Right? It, it's not. I think that might be related to it. Yeah, he's coming around. I mean, they're in London, so I mean, the king is, it's not, probably not uncommon for the king to be there. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, they're going to go to this uh, thing, and then Ross notices something. Ross already, this episode, is kind of feeling like there's someone looking over his shoulder sometimes. Yeah. Uh, His spider sense is definitely tingling a lot in this episode. Also, I don't know if you noticed it, but Aiden uh, Turner, this episode, he looks a little too clean-shaven. A little bit like he just had a facial. He he looks very like clean. I think he's settling into his role in Parliament. Maybe I mean he, he reminds me of like yeah after just wearing like one of those you know masks, some hydrating masks. He looks like he just took one took one off every every scene. Is his hair is it is is probably like if the worst Aiden Turner hair is the wig. This yeah. is a clear second for me. His hair is looking it very looks like uh, he, Professor Frankenstein esque. I think he colored it and maybe put some gel in it. Maybe. Maybe when he was getting his facial facial he had to do that. Maybe. Him and Dwight hanging out. Yeah, so he's mm-hmm. walking through the lobby and he gets this sort of tingling sound as he hears some raving lunatic who is is, is it the same god guy from the abolition meeting? Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, Okay. Something's afoot. I can yeah. I don't feel right here. It's always the guy with the crooked face who you can spot out in the crowd who's going to be the one attempting assassination. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, Ross knows he's up to something. And sure enough, this guy is raising up his gun to shoot at the king, and he, he stops him. Yeah. And then the, and everything just goes about as normal. And immediately a gun is shoved into Ross's back, and he's got to go somewhere. Yeah, and he goes and... He meets this uh, mysterious man. Wickham? Wickham. Is that his name? Yeah. No relation to Pride and Prejudice. This this story takes place 12 years ahead of the publication of Pride and Prejudice. So this could be his cousin, though. Could be. This guy's prejudice. But this is a guy who basically propositions Ross to join, like, MI6. I don't know. He, he literally says, you, you uh, stopped an assassination attempt. Y- yeah, like five minutes ago. <laughs> Who are you? 
And he's like, are you sure I could be a secret agent? I'm a member of parliament. He's like, we'll talk. It's like Men in Black, like when they're recruiting Will Smith. Like, you sure this is the guy you want? <laughs> the, the guy who's just street savvy? I wouldn't savvy. want him. Ross is a hothead. Read his, fu- yeah, read his background check. Dude, he fires a, a gun everywhere he goes. Last season. I'm surprised he didn't punch Wickham in the face when he made the proposition to him. He seemed all right with it. But then I like that everyone's making puns about the assassination attempt on the king. Yeah. Like, well, at least the action peaked early tonight. <laughs> like, they really just missed a shot to license the Muppets to just get Statler and Waldorf up in the corner to make some joke about yeah. the, oh, the king missed a good show. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, hey, man, nice shot. Uh, Not quite. Yeah. So Demelza, she hears about this news. Sounds like Ross is going to be busy. She's off to London. Secret agent, man. And the the episode concludes with a man spying on them through his telescope. And, yeah. We'll see what happens there. Why are they spying yeah. on them? You know, the, and that's the episode, right? I mean... That's it. I think Ned gets covered, freed, obviously. Right. I... I, I I think we covered everything, but the one thing that comes to mind with the story of this episode is that so much of the events of Poldark have sprung out of Ross in relation to his community, you know, the, mm-hmm. the mining community, and, and then also just George and, and his hair and his hair and stuff. This just doesn't feel as organic, you know. It, it's one of Ross's personal friends, and of course, we know Ross to be a guy who helps his friends, but we don't know him from anywhere. And it's pulling him entirely away from his community, uh, you know, of miners mm-hmm. and stuff. And it just feels completely extraneous to everything that we've seen before. And I understand that's uh, maybe a function of not having a story go on, but you'd wish it to be tied a little bit closer to home in Cornwall. Yeah. And I think that's what this whole stuff with the Hansons is trying to do, is to root that in George. I, wait, how do you mean root it in George? Because if the Hansons have some involvement with George, they're involved in this plot with Ned, which yeah. I'm assuming will then rope into this sort of secret agent 007 stuff that he's going on, that that is going mm-hmm. on. Yeah. And our big climax will involve the good guys versus the bad guys. And that'll be all she wrote on uh, Poldark. Yep. But good episode. I was glad to be back in the world of Poldark, but I don't know if I would say yeah. this was a great episode. Yeah, this isn't exactly what the pol- the Poldark I was expecting to, to come back to. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but we got power rankings. We do got we power do. rankings. And Dave, you what do you got this going one down? Off? I, uh, all right, I'll kick this one off. Yeah. Going down in third place on the bottom of the list, I got Jeffrey Charles. Okay. This boy is... Uh, coming of age and he's lost his mother i think the, there's a whole lot of like i said it before the we we're understanding the grieving going on here like jeffrey charles is is uh he's lost it all you know and yeah. he doesn't have a bright future and his his stepdad is a kind of a jerk to him and i think that uh sure he caught the eyes of cecily and sure he's got a good attitude i think it's kind of rough going for him though that's fair well, by the same token, I got the other child at number three, Valentine. This boy is ha- hiding under tables everywhere. He doesn't want to be seen, doesn't want to be acknowledged. doesn't seem like things are going too great for Valentine. He's turning into a monkey. The more you look at his face and his <laughs> hair, he looks like a, a little chimp. 
Okay, sure. He's gonna have a tail by next week. I book it. He's a he's a he's like a little Vegeta. Yeah, he's a little little Goku. Well, well number two going down. I got Demelza. Okay. Because I think we've seen Ross have these situations in this show where he has to come face to face with his moral code and mm-hmm. fail. Yeah. There are moments where, you know, it, it, he he is brought up to he has to make a political decision and it blows up in his face and it doesn't go his way whereas mm-hmm. in many other situations it has gone his way. This is one of the first times that I think Demelza has been on her moral pedestal and said, "I am a good human. I came from nothing. I I'm not that privileged. I'm a hard worker, and my goodwill will get me the faith of these people. And they try to set her house on fire. I mean, she's good at putting out fires. There's that. Give her that credit. She is good at putting out fires, but, you know, if your house gets set on fire, there's a reason for that. I think she is she's okay. not realized that she is a have so my house and not a have not. She's... <laughs> Yeah, next week the whole, they're going to keep trying to burn everything down. So, oh, yeah, we'll see. Time um, to put that ego in check. Who do you got at number two? I got Morwenna. She she can't deal with touch or anything. We thought everything would be happy for her, but she ain't happy. It's hard times for her. So mm-hmm. hopefully she can get that monkey off her back and get more than a mean, boop on her nose from, from Drake. Yeah, just maybe a Valentine. Maybe that's what she needs. Not she does not boy, need that monkey boy Valentine. <laughs> no, not that monkey boy. Not Spider. Well, I think uh, number one is pretty clear. It's George. Yeah. He's seeing ghosts. He's hearing voices <laughs> in his head. I mean, he seems happy. So so there's that. He doesn't seem happy. Well, I guess he said perhaps he seems happy, but he's he's cuckoo. Yeah, he's cuckoo for Cocoa Pops. I mean, and, you almost feel, think he's like doing okay when he's hanging out with Ralph and, and Uncle Kerry by the dock. And, you know, they're just laughing at the misfortunes of, of Ned and all of them type. But, nah, he, he's totally off the reservation. He's he's so much more insulated, it seems, even though Uncle Carrie's kind of guiding the ship. Right. So when he sees uh, Drake, which I feel like we almost, you almost expect to happen, Uncle Carrie's like, sure you did. Sure you did, Grandma. <laughs> he goes, call up Tom Harry and Harry Harry. Get him out Yeah, maybe here. Harry could reawaken him. Bring we'll see. Back. I mean, someone's going to reawaken him, but I really hope it's not too corny. Yeah. Who do you uh, got? And you, know gonna re- you know nope. what's going to reawaken him? Probably his uh, undying hatred of Ross. Something will about that will reawaken the old. Maybe he'll find out Ross George. is like a sharpshooter. <laughs> you know, Ross is like an Assassin's Creed character by the end of this. Sh- I mean, he's jacked enough. Yeah. We'll see. Well, uh, number three going up, I got Tess. She got a job. Okay, that's about all we know about her, and, and she's you know, got, and, and she's good at rallying crowds. Right, she didn't have any money before this. Maybe she'll end up on on her feet. So, good for Tess. Okay, well, number three going up. I got our boy Pip, Uncle Carrie. Okay, he's he's keeping this ship afloat, and not only is he keeping it afloat, he's moving it yeah. forward. He's making connections with the mahogany people, and he's meets the you know Ralph Hansen, and he says. Mm-hmm. He notices beautiful young daughter, and he's already <laughs> making moves to try to get the ball rolling right. for George. Now, granted, George isn't biting the bait, mm-hmm. but Carrie is very sympathetic, 
And not to mention George is saying that he sees Elizabeth sitting across the table and Uncle Carrie's like, okay then. You know, Uncle Carrie's not, yeah. he's not being a, a bad man, a bad uncle to his nephew. He's being very understanding while still keeping this war legend name in mm-hmm. good grace. Yeah. That's all, that's all fair. He almost made my list too. Um, but at number two, I got Edward Despard. He gets out okay. of jail. And, you know, his, also his wife Kitty is a real historical figure as well. Um, I think it's an invention of the show, though, that she was enslaved by Despard at any point. Um, mm-hmm. But well, I think it was like a, there, it's supposed to be some sort of, you know, p- purchase her to free her situation. Not, I yeah. don't think he, I don't think she ever worked for him directly, right? Is it? I think so. She was his kitchen maid. Um, she has that good moment with Demelza though, where Demelza laughs in her face at, "Oh, you're a kitchen maid," and she's like, "You racist piece of shit." And then Demelza's like, "No, I was a kitchen maid." Oh, <laughs> and they laugh. Meanwhile, it off. Prudy's like looking down on the both of them. Like, here I am, being a kitchen maid to two kitchen maids who married up. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, I'm stuck with Thali and. Uh, the other guy who died and came back to life. Yeah. I did enjoy the moment where uh, Ross says, yeah, Ned, you know, he's wiser than he used to be. Smash cut the r- Ned punching into a brick wall. Oh, yeah. <laughs> immediately th- hurting th- his hands. That's why I'm so uncertain about this Ned guy. Yeah. Well, number two, I got, I, got, I got Ross. You got Ross number two? Because he, I would give him number one with this thwarted suicide, uh, you know, uh, killing mm-hmm. of the king, not suicide. Uh, assassination but it seems so undeserved oh no ross is my number one easy it's not every week that you stop an assassination on the king and then get proposition to join mi6 immediately afterwards that's a that's a huge w right there they're not even trying and he just comes up winning come on i i I get this too i don't know it just seems so weird people are begging him for jobs he's got a surplus of options for employment like Times are high rolling for Ross right now. He doesn't even have to I mean, bother his house with his political. Was, was lit on fire. <laughs> sure, he's got Demel's to take care of it. He doesn't even have to worry about his political obligations. The guy's doing great. Okay, well, I, I got him at number two because I thought it just seemed so weird. Sure. And at number one, Skin appropriately, I, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, number one, I got Ned and Kitty in a tie because okay, they both new characters coming in hot. Kitty is making a lot of friends. And Ned starts in jail as a somewhat uh, disillusioned, crazy person who we don't know much mm-hmm. about him. And he leaves jail, a crazy yeah. person that we don't know much about, <laughs> punching walls. So, yeah. we'll see. I mean, he knew the right person to call. So Apparently he didn't because he, he called everybody. <laughs> yeah. As Kitty says, is like, are you sure this is going to work? And he says, oh, this is my last hope. And... Boy, oh boy, was he right. Uh, yeah, so we'll see where the season goes of, of Poldock. I truly, honestly, have no idea where they're going to go this year. <laughs> I hope it road. holds up. I hope it stays together. I hope the ship is afloat. Yeah. I do, I do like the bones of this show a lot. I mean, I love the, I love the first yeah. four seasons of this show. So I, I, I mean, I hope if Ross takes up a gig as like a secret agent, he just punches people. Like, they never give him a weapon or anything. He just becomes a man who punches people to get answers yeah only like small time criminals in in cornwall though keep it local yeah well dave have you been watching anything else other than poldark 
I watched a few things. Uh, okay. So I saw I saw Avatar: The Way of Water finally. <laughs> Three and hours, thirteen minutes of it. Well, I think I left immediately when the credits started. I saw the, the credits are like the whales still in oh, IMAX yeah. 3D, and there are people like still watching the whales swim. And I was like, guys, come on, we gotta go. <laughs> I we stuck around a little bit for that. Here. The weekend song, like, yeah, why not? I saw that. I thought it was good. It was a good theater experience. It's um, mm-hmm. I, the reason I saw it was because I know that if I didn't see it, Ant Man is coming out this weekend, and I'm gonna miss it in IMAX. So sure, that's that. But then yeah. I did not take your advice, and I watched Love Is Blind Beyond the Altar. Oh, I said not to watch it, but what'd you think? I liked it. Really? I liked all the, the I mean, I liked the crazy people being crazy. It was just so empty. It was like a kind of a retread, I felt, on like stuff they had already covered. I think it wasn't, it wasn't. I know like the stuff with Cole, yeah. I thought Cole really was good. and Hitting on the guy's mom. <laughs> oh, that was wild. The That was wild. I love that. And I know those two, that couple, what's the... Uh, Alexa oh, yeah. and and those the country boy, Brandon. They're they're dumb. They're awful. They're my least favorite. Yeah, yeah the well, whole storyline is that Matt the dad doesn't good. like him. <laughs> oh yeah, the dad's like bullying him with his like child bride. It's very strange. And they never resolve it. <laughs> no, but I liked the uh, the SK stuff was funny, but we didn't get a good re- resolution there. Oh, I just fast forwarded on him proposing because I knew we all know he cheated, and like all it shows you is what they showed at the top, which is. He cheated. Okay. Okay. What else? Yeah, we don't even get anything from Raven. But it's funny. I, I think why is Cole not in um, perfect match? I don't know. Maybe he needs to clean up. Maybe he didn't have the time. And I, I'm glad that they admitted that Zena might be a little, little uh, wild I'm glad, too. Yeah, I'm glad she's getting therapy. Very relieved by that. That was good. Uh, what about you? You watch anything? Well, Dave, I sent you a picture this morning. I woke up first thing this morning and was watching Perfect Match. Cause you started it? I couldn't sleep this morning, so I woke up at 6. Got, got some, I worked out a little bit, got, got, got some pump in, and I was like, let's go. Let, let's, let's start this Valentine's Day off right. I'm Nick Lachey. <laughs> this is the perfect match. Because my wife is mysteriously missing this time around. Dude, our, our boy, uh, Joey, he comes in hot. Get ready. He comes in hot the first episode. I'm fired up. And Shane, dude, it is vintage Shane. He's back to full Shane mode. Uh, is the whole season, a, has the whole season dropped? No, just the first four episodes. Okay, so is it going to be three weeks or is it going to be more? Yeah, I think it's going to be three weeks. The first couple episodes are like hour longs and it gets a little shorter than that. But uh, there's some characters on here. I'm, I'm intrigued to see where it goes. I, I'm excited. I like it so far. Okay, we've got to keep the discussion to a minimum because if this is as good as we want it to be, yeah, there may this be more is Patreon about. fodder for us. Yeah, and just as a reminder to our listeners, we released an episode last week where we talked about Notting Hill. Yeah, uh, hit, hit the uh, inboxes just yesterday. Well, we're recording this Tuesday. It's a yeah. Valentine's Day treat. And if you want to hear more of our bonus episodes, we have a whole Patreon there you can subscribe to. Uh, but otherwise, you know where to find us. Lords of Grantham at gmail.com. We're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can leave us five-star ratings and reviews if you so choose on iTunes and Spotify and wherever you uh, choose to listen. You can also find our entire archive of episodes on our Podbean website as well. Um, aside from that, thank you for listening, cool. and we'll catch you next time on the pod.